Hi friend, I'm Tanya Gill. Welcome to Lighten Up and Unstuck Your What the Fuck. Together, we explore the ways through life's stickiest moments and how to live with more peace, joy, love, and gratitude. We're going to talk honestly about what isn't easy so you can discover the light within you that will carry you forward. My friend, this podcast is about you in real life, your body, mind, and soul, and the opportunity to not only live your best, but shine doing it. Hello, friends. Welcome to Lighten Up and Unstuck Your What the Fuck. I'm so glad you're here. In this conversation, I am going to introduce you to someone very special to me. I have the privilege of introducing you to none other than Dr. Peter Kellett. Peter is a men's coach, a men's health and well-being expert, a registered nurse, a researcher, Reiki practitioner, light worker, and empath who has spent most of his career studying and teaching about men's health and well-being. Today I invited him on the show to talk about men's health and well-being in a little bit more depth. What makes this conversation so special is that Dr. Peter Kellett not only is really a specialist in this area of men's health and well-being, but he also is my husband. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Peter Kellett, husband to Tanya Gill. So first of all, welcome Dr. Peter Kellett, my love. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I'm so excited you're here. I really am. Thank you. Um, So honey, let's kind of tell them the story of what we were talking about. You and I were chatting and you said, there's some really interesting research that just came out of UBC, the University of British Columbia. And listen to this. And what you shared was some of the most common stressors that men are experiencing right now. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about that research? Just a quick. Sure. Um, Yeah, it's, it was information that was collected from their website called heads up guys, which is a website that was basically created to try and support men with depression and suicidal feelings and, and their their family and support people as well, and and so as part of that website they have um, a little survey that people can complete a, a test that basically says you know what are your main stressors in life, and interestingly the the number one stressor was uh, a lack of purpose or meaning in life, and that was sixty percent of of the men. So okay, so first of all I want to jump in. Sixty percent of men said they struggled with a lack of purpose or meaning. Now, this was not a small sample of people. Um, It was almost 72,000 people that responded to this. Yes. So 60% of those people are saying they're struggling with a lack of purpose and meaning. Do you think that's because the results came in during the pandemic? Um, I don't think that that was it uniquely. I, I think that probably the pandemic may have as it has for a lot of people. Right. I think it may have sort of emphasized that for people. I think, so it may have influenced, but I, I think it probably speaks to a larger pattern. The larger pattern. So 
dealing, you know, having spent so much of your career dealing with men's mental health issues and challenges and seeing men's health in a larger perspective than just beyond mental health, what do you think this is about? Well, I think I think it's really related to the way society, you know, the expectations that society puts on men. And and if we think about some of the ways that we define success in men, like how much they earn, mm. how, you know, are they getting promoted at work? Mm-hmm. All these things are really tied into the market economy measures. And it's know, about what they do. What they do, what they own, what they, you know, what toys do they have? Mm-hmm. How big is their house? All these kind of things. And I think, I think it speaks to the fact that those things are not really what... What uh, contributes to people feeling good about themselves or or the world, and and really I think that purpose is one of those key things. And I, I know that you know this as a life coach, and yeah. that having a clear purpose in life really is one of those things that can kind of carry you through difficult times. And um, and I also find this interesting because even back in ancient Greece. They used to talk about a term called eudaimonia, and mm. eudaimonia was a term which a lot of people sort of simply translated into happiness, but it was actually not really about happiness. Uh, it was more about um, living well, um, and some people would define it as having a sense of purpose. Mm. And so, if you've got a sense of purpose, you know the bumps that come in everyday life. Um, are not going to throw you off as much because you have a larger goal that you're working towards. But I think that this is sort of belying the fact that a lot of men in society are not really feeling a connection to something bigger. So when you say something bigger, are you talking about men feeling more isolation than ever? Is that what you mean? Um, I think it's it's more having a, a sense of of purpose. I mean, and I would put this on two levels, you know, a sense of soul's purpose, mm-hmm. you know, that we came to this, this life with a, a mission, mm-hmm. but that there also a sense of purpose in terms of what we're doing in life. Um, and I think that in, in the way we've set things up in societies, but been all about what you do for your job. Right. And not so much about bigger goals. And a lot of times when people talk about it, um, and lots of people have talked about this. I mean, we can think about people like Simon Sinek, who, who did Start With Why. It's about having a sense of purpose. And it's about knowing why you're doing something and where you're intending to go with it. So that each act that we do in life is just part of something bigger. Right. It's those 1% changes that keep moving us toward that big why, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm going to come back to it, hun, because I do think that that the pandemic I, has created a bit of an opening for people and a, a bit of a sense of, I don't know if I want to use the word urgency, but a different awareness about purpose and also about time, right? Like when the world slowed down, we were also inundated with a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and a lot of stuff. And we, many of us went into survival mode and our purpose at that time was really about 
survival um, and, and all the moving pieces that we were constantly trying to navigate, right? Like even in our own home, you know, we had one person teaching and another one in school and another one working in a restaurant and, and, and we were navigating working from home and there were a lot of moving pieces. And in all of that, I think that we also then moved to a new space of reflection and a new space of when I get through this, I want to have more clarity about where I want to go with the rest of my life because I feel like I didn't have a lot of control in my life during the pandemic. And so I do see that there are a lot of people who seem to be shifting and opening and, and honestly, spiritually, there have been massive shifts. You and I have experienced them, but so have a lot of others. And when I, you know, my thing of when I think about coaching women and women in their journey of experiencing a sense of purpose, it really comes back down to values, right? And so with men, do you think men are really grounded in their values these days? Well, I think it's a hard question to answer in a, a general sense. I think there probably are quite a few men who are grounded in their values, but I think, I think some of the values that are imposed on men by the expectations of masculinity and those traditional expectations have assigned value to things which maybe are not going to feed their soul, um, like how much they're earning like everything being about their job. Um, and I think that what the pandemic created, I think, for men as well as for everybody else, was sort of a break in that routine, which helped them see that, hey, like, my job isn't everything. And the people around me are really important. And a lot of people have experienced loss of different things during, during the pandemic. Um, and people. And people. And, and I think that that is also sort of underlined for men as well as women, um, what's important in life a little bit more and cause them to sort of say, is this really what I want? Um, and so, so I think that's probably a contributing factor to, to this finding, but I do think it's part of a, a bigger pattern in that I think a lot of men sort of have taken on the expectations that have been told to them and what they're supposed to do and have just followed, done what's expected, done what their, um, you know, what their cultural stew has told them that they're supposed to do. Okay. So, so what do you, what, what do you see men's cultural stews predominantly telling them to do? I mean, I know that historically women's cultural stews were to be quiet to be demure to be subservient to not have a voice to keep secrets hide be you know if i if we go down that road of what it meant to be a good girl for example yeah i mean i think that for men i think that there's definitely been a pattern of career success being very important, um, earning potential. Uh, and, you know, we know that the breadwinner title mm -hmm. is very much tied mm -hmm. to men still. Um, even though in many cases they're not necessarily the breadwinner, but 
I think there's still a lot of expectation around that and some men kind of put that pressure on themselves around it I think I think having the good job the job that comes with the benefits and the and status and leadership roles things like that a lot of times men have been attracted to so so some men may be picking jobs that that align with the idea of being masculine you know the jobs that uh, they associate with men holding but it also makes you wonder how many men chose those jobs because they thought that was the expectation but really actually had an affinity for some other kinds of jobs that have been allocated to the realm of, of women. Okay, so I, I'm going to jump right in here because Dr. Peter Kellett, um, you have a PhD. You are not a physician. You are a nurse. So, you know, how many times as a man, when you were in nursing, were you confused as a, as as being a doctor in the early part of my career pretty much every day i would have <laughs> i would have uh patients assume that i was a doctor because i was a man um and i would have to say no i'm your nurse and it was i think that that has changed over the years there are definitely as much more of a recognition uh, of men being in caring careers like, like nursing. But I, there's still an awful lot of pressure on men not to, to pursue these, these roles that have been allocated to, to the realm of women. Because even in re recent research, I mean, mm -hmm. I've, I've done research with men in, in nursing. And, mm -hmm. And even in that, a lot of the men are still getting asked by their families, like, why do you want to be a nurse? Like, why are you doing this? Why don't you, you're smart. Why don't you be a doctor? Um, and, and so there's still a lot of bias uh, around that. And we still see, still see stereotypes, um, which are, are waning a little bit. But the assumption that if you're a man in nursing, that you're gay, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. um, which is not the case in the vast majority of cases. Right. Um, but those stereotypes are still there. So, uh, you know, I think that, like you said, that that lack of purpose sometimes can come from feeling like we're so busy trying to fill the roles that are expected of us that we don't get an opportunity to be attached to what authentically matters and who, who we are. And I think, I think this is actually a really key element of it as well. Um, and I think that the very expectations that are put on men mm -hmm. around how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to be, mm -hmm. means that a lot of men are not being as authentically mm -hmm. them as they need to. Mm. And we know, we know that when people aren't authentic, that it's upsetting that it actually causes trauma. Okay, but okay, so but let's talk about that because that authenticity, that's a really fucked up cycle because and I've seen it with many men I've dated in the past 
and also in moments with you where you were and you are a very sensitive very loving person and as a man it's i think that i've observed that um you struggle to be emotional i.e cry in front of me and when you do cry in front of me you're often very apologetic and well i see you cry i see it as extremely beautiful and i see it as part of your healing i also recognize that i've heard other women say to other men i love things like don't be a pussy men don't fucking cry toughen up like and i've heard that too so then i think well that's a cultural stoop bullshit thing but there's that line of authenticity around like there's the judgment there's emotion men aren't supposed to show emotion that is raw and real like that in a lot of realms of life well and i i think that this is a, a really challenging element of being a man in this day and age um because i think that as as a man i i know i've heard lots of women say that they want a man to be emotional that they want want them to do those mm -hmm. things sensitive and emotional being sensitive yeah. emotional but my experience and the experience of a lot of men i know is that when men are openly emotional it's often not received very well because i think it's that I think what a lot of times when women are saying that is they're saying I want the man to express their feelings about me and I want them to be tender and loving to me. But if it comes to the point where the man is emotional and now it becomes something that they someone they have to take care of <laughs> or is an extra load on them who and I think the problem is in society women are still being allocated a disproportionate amount of responsibility for childcare and looking after kids and and family roles and and things like that and so i think that when the man is emotional on top of that that there's like there's too much i also think that but but i'm just going to jump in and say when when you cry if you cry when you cry i don't think i jump out and go it's too much but i also am not going to own it or take responsibility for it. I, I hold empathy for you and honor what you're in, but it's not my, my responsibility, right? And that's, I think, that's that piece of trusting yourself to know that you don't have to take responsibility for someone you love's emotions in partnership. Well, yes, and, and I also, when I, when I was making those points, it wasn't so much about our own context as much as things I've seen and heard and conversations I've had with people. No, but, but we do have a perfectly imperfect relationship yes. and things <laughs> and, and your, your patience is tested on a regular basis. <laughs> yes, you can say it, babe. It's yeah, okay. Well, I, I think everybody's patience is tested at different times. So I'm sure I test your patience as well. Um, but I think, I think the key element to this is rather than saying it's a hard and fast rules, I think a lot of men really struggle with with expressing those 
those emotions because right. it's not always received well. And and the reality is is that being raised as a boy is is somewhat traumatic because even as a young child you're being told suck it up, you know, rub some dirt in it. Like be be a big boy, don't cry. You know, toughen up. Toughen up. And whereas I think young girls are allowed a little more latitude around being emotional. And so boys learn really early on to control those emotions. Um, and there's research actually showing mm-hmm. that, that boys as young as 18 months are already controlling their emotions. And a lot of people will go like, well, how is a kid that young take that on? And the reality is, is they're little sponges. And just say fucking role modeling. They they look around and they see how people act. And and if you think about how many times even people meet a baby in there, oh totally. And they, the things they say about that child, where they go like, oh, he's going to have lots of girlfriends, or mm. he's so strong, he's so strong, look, he's going to be a big guy, mm. you know, or show, you know, and I've seeing cases where there's little kids that are like two and three years old where the parents are going like show us your guns and trying to get them to flex and do these kind of things and so there's that side of it and these expectations that men put on each other around policing acceptable masculinity but I think that there's also I think a lot of things that are internalized by women in their own socialization mm-hmm. and things which you know, influence their own attraction profile towards men or what they think is nice or, or, or good about a man. And so it is a, it's a really tough line for a lot of men to navigate. And so because of that, I think most of us, and I'll include myself in that, mm-hmm. struggle to know, you know, exactly how to present sometimes. And most men are very practiced at putting on a mask um you know putting on this mask that sort of says everything's okay and and not showing emotion and it's such a consistent thing that some some people who work in psychology with men have actually documented this pattern um and there's a, a psychologist from the u.s called ron levant who who's written books about the psychology of men. And he describes something called normative alexithymia. Oh, God, you're talking about this. This is wild. Yeah. Normative alexia... Alex... Alexithymia. Alexithymia. Okay, so tell our listeners what normative alexithymia is. Well, alexithymia in general is where people don't have words for feelings. A means no. Right. Thymia. Lexi words, Lexi words. Thymia for feelings. feelings. And it usually was something that was seen in people with severe trauma, where they wouldn't really be able to express feelings because basically they were in shutdown. Yep. They, were, they weren't able to, to really describe their feelings because they were having to dissociate from them. And as he started working with men in his practice, he started noticing that when he started asking men, like, how are you feeling? that these men weren't able to actually put into words what their feelings were because in many ways as they were growing up they weren't allowed to have the feelings so they so it was kind of like so good, it was like i feel bad, stressed good bad you know like very fine. general stuff and when he was trying to dig dig down and say like well 
Now, how does it feel when you have to say goodbye to your kid after you've gone through a divorce? And they go, oh, bad. And you said, yeah, but how does it feel? And they just wouldn't like be they, able to describe they it. They couldn't go into devastating, heartbreaking, challenging, those, like, they just couldn't go there. Yeah. And so, so I think that's a symptom of the fact that these men have undergone trauma in many ways in terms of being able to authentically not only ex live in their emotions but even describe them authentically mm -hmm. to someone else mm -hmm. and and incidentally that's a pretty important skill in order to process your emotions and, well, and so that leads to consequences and it's funny because as you're talking about it, i was thinking about how we go back to as kids, right? So as kids, we do. We are socialized into living in our emotions to the way that is considered appropriate to those around us who are forming our cultural stew, right? And and then as we get older, I, I was thinking about like social groups, right? Because girls and women tend to surround themselves with larger groups or larger connections circles than men. Men tend to only have one or two or a handful of close relationships. Women tend to have larger ones. Um, and it's been my experience that for the most part, well, no, not the most part, that the people in my inner circle, my high council, obviously, like the feelings aren't just laid out on the table. They're like ripped out of my soul guts and splayed on the table on display, mm. right? And there's no question in my mind that that is what kind of relationship we have, that the emotions can be that raw and vulnerable and real. I also understand that for men, it can be a lot harder to have even one person in their life that's like that. Yeah, and it's definitely challenging for men. Um, and... What I can say is, is that for a lot of men as they're growing up, they know that if they express too much emotion that the other boys are going to call them pussies. They're going to call, tell them that they're wimps. They're going to imply that they're girly. Uh, and so they learn early that they can't really share these things a lot right. of times. So the only emotions that are acceptable are uh, like the joy, the happiness, the excitement, yeah, or the or anger. anger, rage. Yeah. Right. And And... But the issue of having, I mean, incidentally, the number two thing in this in the stress test was loneliness. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so th this loneliness, I think, comes from a lot of different places. I mean, first of all, if you're not able to be authentic to yourself, you're going to feel lonely even from yourself. But on top of that, as you said, you know, a lot of men don't have a, many relationships in their life where they can get emotional support. Um, in fact, social support is one of the biggest predictors of mental well-being. Um, and, and certainly in men, we know the research shows that their social support networks are really shallow and that even if they've got one or two people that are, they're really close to, they're still very cautious to share really emotional things. And so their relationships are often quite different. Now, I don't want to imply that men never have close relationships. I've got a couple of good friends where 
I share emotional things and they share emotional things with me. But it takes a while for, for men to get to a place of trust around that. And for some men, they're terrified to go there. It's, it takes women time too, though. I don't think yeah. that's specific to gender. I think that's specific to life experience. Yeah. And, and I think that the other thing the research sort of tells us is that because men often don't have a lot of close friends who give them emotional support, they tend to depend on the women in their lives as their main source of emotional support, sometimes to the point of dysfunction. Right. And I think that maybe that's really the purpose, if you will, for wanting to have you on and have this conversation is because women, if women are serving as that primary emotional support to their partner and their partner is struggling with one of those things like feeling a lack of purpose or feeling loneliness I, I really, it's important that our listeners understand it's not our responsibility to fix, but we want to know how to best be there for you, how to support you, how to love you and how to help you and other men. So like, what do you say to our listeners? Well, again, it's always tough to give like blanket advice because everybody's different, but I, I would first sort of say be conscious of some of the challenges that many men are facing in sharing some of these things it can be really frustrating when they're not sharing their feelings with you but there may be they may be actually having genuine difficulty articulating it it may seem kind of silly when you first start having a conversation with them like why can't you tell me how you feel mm-hmm. um so i think some patience around that is probably good um, I think it's good to keep in mind, you know, you'll know your own partner's social network and who they've got and keep in mind that if they don't have close friends who are people they can really trust and, and open up to, that they may be a little more dependent on you. And, and I'm not saying that that is your responsibility to, to do that, but it's just maybe to just be a little gentle in, in addressing that with them. I, I think that what I would say in my own experience in my own life and also the, the, what I'm learning in terms of doing work with men and as a men's coach now is recognizing, I think a lot of, uh, and it's not just men that do this, but they tend to blame their feelings on other people causing their feelings. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we have to own our feelings. It's our reaction that causes those feelings. Yeah, it's lousy when there's a bad thing that's happened to us, but um, but how we react to it is still our responsibility. So I think encouraging men to take advantage of therapy, encouraging men to seek out friendships that are meaningful, um, encouraging them to, to look out for a men's group or, or something. And or a really great podcast that's going to be coming. Yes. Right. <laughs> so my friends, um, Peter is actually going to be starting a podcast called Meta Man, M-E-T-T-A, 
man, meta man. Meta means loving kindness. Um, and so stay tuned for that. Um, but in the meantime, you can totally visit his website, metaman.com. But that was one of the things that was so important to you is, is, is like you are part of a, a men's community now that's been quite important to you. And it's, a, and, and you see, you have a vision for building a community community where men do have a safe space where they can come and be yeah. and grow. I think that a lot of men are really craving such a community. They just don't know where to go for it. And it seems like online environments are actually working quite well, which is one of the reasons why Heads Up Guys was created as an online community for men with depression, mm -hmm. is that it was, it's kind of been shown in research that men often feel a little less threatened doing that. But yeah, my vision for MetaMen is that to create a community where men feel safe mm -hmm. and a community where men support one another but also call each other on their shit mm. and encourage them towards growth and encourage them towards integrity to themselves and to those around them. Um, and the reason why I chose the, the term meta is that meta is, is a poly word which most people know in the context of meta meditation, which is meditation where you first express love to yourself and support to yourself and then outward to, to the people around you and eventually you know, to people you don't know or maybe you're not your friends and eventually to the, the whole world. And I, I thought it was a perfect analogy for what kind of community we needed to create for men in that men needed to learn to love themselves. They needed to start, you know, recognizing that however they show up in the world, because there's lots of ways to show up as a man in the world, that there's beauty in that, that there's, there's wonderful things in diversity, and all men have to be the same. Regardless, you know, no matter what, what they do, no matter what their sexual orientation, no matter what their gender presentation is, or how they dress, or any of those kind of things there's beauty in all of it and there there's room for that kind of diversity and in fact that makes us strongest men and and part of recognizing that diversity is within ourselves is also recognizing all right the light part of ourselves everybody likes the light part oh the yeah everybody let's talk about everybody wants to talk about how happy and good and all yeah. the things totally but also those shadow elements of ourselves right. those parts which you know, I've been planted there for whatever reason, through childhood or trauma or experiences, and recognizing that, you know, we have to sort of pay attention to those things too and work with those things, uh, sometimes to transform them or sometimes just how to navigate those things. And so the vision for MetaMan is really to create a space where men can, can come, find out, learn more, in a way that's not too threatening to them, hopefully connect with other men, connect for with, um, have discussions about things that matter. And uh, I'm hoping through the, you know, through the podcast to really sort of explore some of these issues that we've been talking about today, as well as many others. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. the truth is, is that men in general have a lot of things they need to work on. Yeah. Um, that despite the fact that in many ways they've had a lot of advantage in the world, 
they're still dying more than women in most of the leading causes of death. Their suicide rate is still really high. There are not good health outcomes. <laughs> There's lots of things which, which could be improved by just creating an environment where men can be authentic, where they don't have to be afraid to ask for help. Well, I think what's so fucking hilarious about this is obviously I'm very passionate about self-love and some people are like, self-love, self-love, self-love. But I'm like, no, it's really just about leaning into a space of trusting yourself and knowing yourself so that you can live authentically. It's, it's not about ego. It's not about any of the bullshit. What you're describing for men is exactly, so you're kind of, this is the wild thing. Peter's kind of the male version of Tanya, except not because he's... Peter Kellett, Dr. Peter Kellett. And I'm just... She's not just anything. I'm the credentialed sweary fairy. And, 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 and when, when people meet us, or maybe even hear us, you can see like we're quite different people. But we complement each other really beautifully. And Peter's vision for Meta Man is so incredible because I agree, like... You know, we have had this, we've gone through this cycle of kind of smash the patriarchy thing. And I agree, patriarchy, like, that's a dinosaur that should have died a long, long time ago, right? And of course you agree. What we're talking about now, though, is about men feeling whole and healthy and well in their lives. Because I do think that men haven't been given permission to have that. In, in some of the pendulum swings that we've experienced lately. Well, and what I often say when I'm talking about these issues is, is that women in many ways have been talking about some of these issues for a very long time, and they're still talking about them, still trying to move forward. But if we think about all the waves of feminism that have raised attention to issues for women, women have come together to talk about what does it mean to be a woman in this world? How do we support right? one another? Yeah. Men have not had those conversations, and the reason is, is because of their relative privilege, because the privilege is invisible to those who have it, and, and so because being a man hasn't traditionally been a, a disadvantage in society, they haven't sort of come together in unity as an oppressed group. Right. Now, you know... It's, and we're not saying now that men are oppressed. No, Let's I'm not. Let's be very clear, but I'm what not. we're saying is that when there is a common struggle, mm. for example, with women, we come together in sisterhood, mm. right? And so that coming together in brotherhood has happened through the ages and continue, and it does happen. That could be a whole other mm. podcast in and of itself. And I think that what you're offering is, is kind of a, a conversation around what does it mean to be an authentic man now in your life now? Yeah, and I think this is a conversation that needs to happen not only in MetaMan, it's just a conversation that needs to happen in society. Yeah. And it's a conversation that needs to happen between fathers and their sons and intergenerationally. Um, and, and no, I'm not suggesting men collectively are an oppressed group. But I would like us to acknowledge that not all men share equally in the dividends of patriarchy. And, and that there are men who intersectionally you know, occupy social locations which are not valued. 
and we can think about the cases where racialized men or trans men or gay men or poor men or combination thereof they are not necessarily accessing the same privilege yeah and privilege is on a sliding scale it is and it's intersectional on a lot of different points mm -hmm. and and so one of the reasons we see so many bad outcomes from men is that it's not necessarily that all men universally are having bad outcomes but once we start adding in those other things into the mm -hmm. into the picture some groups of men are suffering things much worse so right. when we talk about mental health for example we know that there's a lot of men experiencing depression a lot more than the statistics would suggest because their presentation of depression is a little different but we also know that gay men for example experience depression at probably twice the rate of, oh, of heterosexual straight men, straight heterosexual men. Straight men. and we know that in trans men, that they are probably, you know, experiencing depression at rates around 70%. Okay, so I know that a lot of listeners are probably going, wait a second, if depression doesn't present the same in men as it does in women, what are some of the flags if my partner, what should I be looking for? Like, really? Absolutely. And I'm not, and I just, so we're clear, this is not diagnosing your partner. This is simply awareness around flags for men's mental health because they are different. Yeah. One of, one of the really tough things about detecting depression in men is that the traditional symptoms that we associate with depression, like the flat affect, meaning they don't really show a lot of emotion, um, the uh, withdrawal, social withdrawal, um, not talking very much, all these kind of things which we might associate with depression, not showing a lot of emotion or joy. In some ways, what we're describing when we talk about that is how we want men to present. We want them to <laughs> present as this sort of tough, stoic guy who doesn't really express. So, so right away, we're running into some difficulties. But... It that's not to say some men will have some of those traditional things of sadness, of crying, of withdrawal, of suicidal ideation. In men, they may not express some of those things as much because they're trying to hide it. Right. The one set of symptoms that come up in men that really are quite different than women is that men often express depression through irritability and anger sometimes even violence. There are, um, in some of the people who've done research on this, they talk about internalizing and externalizing symptoms. The internalizing symptoms are things which are pretty consistent with traditional ideas of depression. Right. But they may also include things like addictions. Now, when we talk about addictions, everybody immediately goes to alcohol and drugs. Mm, but there are but, some other addictions that actually present significantly. Yeah, one more one often. addiction that comes up a lot in men, which is a socially acceptable addiction, is workaholism. Mm -hmm. um, another, pornography. Pornography is a big one mm -hmm. for a lot of men, um, and also even affairs, um, mm, extramarital affairs. extramarital affairs, or even obsessive hobbies. 
could be an example of this. Now, you know, I'm not saying there's a direct correlation between each of those things, but they could be signs that something's going on. Because what addictions and compulsive behaviors are basically doing is, is they are used to mask the feelings. They're the means of escaping the feelings. Sadly, in our society, it's actually more acceptable for a lot of men to get drunk, get into a bar fight, and drive out of the parking lot with their tires squealing than it is for them to break down and cry and ask for help. Yeah. And I do think that a lot of the anger and irritability we see in men is often um, overlying sadness or things that they're not really dealing with mm. or hurt or trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, so... So those are the externalizing symptoms, the things that we kind of put out. And I would also say that suicidal choice of suicide method yeah. is also another externalizing symptom. Because I really think that when, why we see men dying of suicide at such high rates, three of every four suicides in Canada that are completed as a man, is they do choose more violent means. Yeah. And, and the way I talk about this when I talk about men's health um, is I say well in many ways that choice of method is their last performance of masculinity fuck they are choosing they are choosing that they are going to go out like a man like a man and and it's also part of those externalizing symptoms because suicide is anger turned inward right and so um so it's it's an angry act towards themselves in many ways. And, and sweetheart, I think it's really important that we're clear. Like if if any of our listeners are hearing this and they are concerned about the well-being of their partner and they've seen shifts in the way any man in their life has started to interact with the world, whether it be... Um, you know, the more traditional sense of withdrawal or, um, you know, rage, anger, irritability, or even speaking of or conversation or reference to suicide, that it's very, very important to get help. Like, that nobody needs to be alone in this. um, And that, you know, there are medical professionals out there, there are therapists out there, um, and and it is serious, and it's very important that people do seek the help that they need. Absolutely, and I think that this is one thing that partners can do is to just reach out to them and say, "Hey, I see that you're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, do you want to talk to me about it? Um, would you like to talk to someone else about it? Mm-hmm. You know that." Know that I love you and I care about you, mm-hmm. and 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 be okay. Like I mean, the thing is, is also when someone's having a hard time. If someone comes to them and says, "Hey, I see you're having a hard time," there's a possibility that that the response is not going to to be very kind, depending on where it's at. I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got this. I'm fine. Yeah. The truth is, it's really you know that I see you and I'm here for you. I love you. I think it's creating the opportunity. I mean, I think it's like anything when people are going through things. They may not be ready to talk about it. But if you show them that you're there, 
Open the door. Open the door. Um, and, you know, whether it's a, a female partner or whether it's a male partner or whether it's a friend uh, mm-hmm. and there's a guy listening to this, a lot of it's just about opening the door and saying, hey, I see you, I mm-hmm. love you, I care about you, and if you ever want to talk about anything, I'm here. And, um, and I think that for a lot of men, bizarrely, that's not a common experience. They don't have a lot of people saying those kind of things to them, especially other men. Um, and, and so I think it's important for them to, as you said, talk about it, but also to reach out for support. This is not mm-hmm. something that you can necessarily deal with alone. And I'm a man who's been through depression as well and, and on and off through my life. And, and if it hadn't been for counseling, if it hadn't been for, for the supports I'd had, it would have been hard to get through those periods of time. Um, and I'm very open about talking about it because I want other men to know that it's, it's okay. You know, they're not alone. And, and I think the, we have to counteract that message that says that as men, we're supposed to deal with everything alone. That, that somehow that's a badge of honor, that you, you don't ask for help. Be the lone wolf, Peter Kellett. Well, and the truth is, is that a lot of times people are, are taking these ideas from movies and uh-huh. things like that. And, and, but in reality, um, you know, like I've, I've heard people talk about the training of special forces, military people, and the special forces don't want the lone wolves. They, they're not the least bit interested in those. They are not the ones who are going to be good. It's the ones who are able to work as a team, the ones who are able to support one another, the ones who can work towards a goal. And, um, and that comes back to the whole concept of purpose, right? Yeah. And, and purpose can, you know, there are so many different levels and layers to purpose. But, you know, like when a person knows their purpose for being, or their purpose within a space of belonging, um, their purpose within their family. When when people, men, women, when people have the opportunity to understand their purpose better, I do believe it makes a huge difference in living life more joyfully. Absolutely. And that's just exactly what we came back to with that research, right? Yeah. And... And that's why I also think that it's good to encourage men to think about some supports like coaching, mm-hmm. like counseling, to mm-hmm. to realize that there are other ways to go about things mm-hmm. and that they don't have to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Because I I think that I think that what's kind of just happened during this period of time with COVID is just that people have realized that hey, what I thought was important isn't. What I thought mm-hmm. was the, the goal of life is not. Mm-hmm. Not the goal of life. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people are lost. They don't really know where to go from there. And and I think some of it, like we've, we've talked about, is in relation to spiritual awakening and recognizing a connection to bigger things. 
And some of it's just about having a sense of purpose in their life's mission right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, it's the other thing I always say is with coaching and therapy, it's kind of like going to the dentist. It doesn't necessarily have to be when something's rotten. No. It, it can be a piece of maintaining your health and well-being and staying healthy and well in the path of the direction of your purpose and your life. Um, and, you know, it, it's that whole piece around the preventative medicine. And the preventative medicine, like you said, is really about being able to be seen, be heard, be authentic. Um, and it, it is important for men, women, people across the planet. But this research kind of underscored that this is a real challenge for men and maybe people aren't noticing it or maybe they are and they're not talking about it. Yeah. My love, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you for being on Lighten Up and Unstuck Your What the Fuck. Very happy to be on. I love you so much. Love you too. Thank you very much. From my heart to yours, my friends, thank you for listening to this super awesome conversation with none other than Dr. Peter Kellett, a.k.a. my lover boy. From my heart to yours, my friend, have an awesome day and thank you for being you. Thanks for joining me today, my friend. If you're struggling through your own what the F moments and are ready for a more heart-centered and loving way forward, it is within you. It's time for a self-love adventure. Head on over to perfectlyimperfect.wtf for everything you need, including an amazing community, the collective. Beautiful humans on the same self-love adventure. If what you heard today spoke to you, please leave some love with a review and don't forget to share this with a friend or 10. I hope to see you on the inside. 